Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. As far back as I can recall, there has always been a fascination on what's out there. Are there flying saucers? Are there little green men? Or are we alone? TV and film sure played a role in our thoughts on the subject from everything from My Favorite Martian to Spielberg's E.T. Many have pondered the subject of UFOs and who is exploring us while we are exploring them. Well, we have someone with us today to aid in those ponderings. Luis Elizondo, a former foreign and domestic senior intelligence operations officer who supervised and conducted espionage and terrorism investigations around the globe and managed clandestine operations throughout the Middle East and Latin America, is here. And guess what? He is also the former program manager and director for the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. These are the programs that deal with these UFOs, and he can speak with a lot of authority on this subject. Welcome, Luis. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You know, I wanted to talk to you about this. After years of denial, the Pentagon finally admits there is something out there, and the U.S. Senate wants to know what the heck it is. We've heard much about this 180-day report, and I'm wondering if you could provide our listeners with an understanding of the significance of this report to Congress and why it's historical and what brought it about. Yeah, sure, Mary. Great question. So uh, after several years of classified briefings being provided to uh, certain members of Congress, particularly the Senate Armed Services Committee, and the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, uh, it was quite clear that there was information within our national security apparatus that definitely indicated there is something uh, in our controlled U.S. airspace that we have no idea what it is, whether it's uh, Russia, China, or frankly, little green men from Mars. No one really knows. And so uh, to get to the bottom of it, um, for the first time really in, in, in U.S. history, the Senate and Congress required the Department of Defense and the intelligence community to provide a report, and that report was due back in the end of June, and that report was provided. Um, very, very interesting because the, the requirement to provide this report was nestled deep within the COVID bill back in January, and, um, mm. and subsequently the U.S. government had to write this report. And it is historic because for the first time we're really acknowledging the existence, the reality that, that UAP, or I guess in the vernacular UFOs, are real, and that is a big deal. That That's... That's a that's a game changer. And so this report basically came out and it said, look, this is a preliminary report. The bottom line is there are several options of what these things could be. They are real. They're not uh, glitches in the system. And we need to figure it out. And furthermore, out of 144 cases, 143 remain completely unidentified. Mm-hmm. And so that that in itself is very significant. Now let's forward one to tape a little bit here, Mary. Uh, and for your listeners, now we have a situation where Congress has come back after this report and said, okay, 
now Department of Defense and Intelligence community, you have to provide a report to us every 90 days. And that's a big deal. That's 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 significant. I'm glad they're finally doing something. Um, I wonder why they haven't done anything sooner. I mean, if this is a case of possibly national security, what do you think, you know, what was the holdup here with this? Mary, let's face it. This topic is fraught full of stigma and taboo. Uh, hmm. Anytime you mention the word UFO, people immediately go down the rabbit hole. They think of, uh, you know, these these silly conventions where people run around in, in alien costumes and tinfoil hats, you know, and it's it's a topic that that as for for the last seventy years plus has really remained uh, uh, as as part of our fringe culture, and only now science and and academia is finally taking this seriously because the evidence is overwhelming. Quite frankly, as my background as an investigator, if this was a a trial. In this particular case, the jury would have no other alternative but to to convict. We are definitely beyond reasonable doubt. Mm. Some of our best sensor systems are now are verifying the observations of our trained pilots, which is also being backed up on radar data. So so we know it's real. And I think I think that stigma, that taboo, is beginning to change uh, in a in a more more scientific way. And why do I say that? Because you have people, very renowned scientists such as Abby Loeb, Dr. Abby Loeb. Uh, who, who spent much of his time in the world of astrophysics in, in Harvard, who is now actually um, who's, who's started his own research group to look into this topic. And uh, you have some, some, again, some very renowned scientists that are applying some of the, the, the very best talents that they have to try to figure this out once and for all. I'm glad you explained it that way because there are many people who are skeptical, and now the scientific methodology that proves some existence. I mean, I saw one pilot saying he sees things, you, some kind of UFOs every day, and that's like a freaky statement. What, what are you seeing out there? Yeah. What, have you, what has been your experience? Well, I have to be careful. I, I can tell you from my, from my official position of being part of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that it's, the evidence is undeniable. Um, it's, it's, at this point, it's utterly preposterous to deny that, that something is there. And let's not forget, we spend millions of dollars each year trying to protect our, our national borders, uh, our sovereignty, and, and also our controlled airspace, whether it's over a sensitive military installation or, or parts of Washington, D.C. and the White House. So if somebody has this technology that has the ability to, to enter at will within our controlled U.S. airspace uh, completely undetected and, and can zip, zip in and zip out, that is certainly a national security issue. And I think that's what Congress is seeing here. They're saying, okay, let's forget about origins just for a minute, and let's just focus on the reality that it's someone has this technology, and they've had it for a while, and they have the ability to come in and out of our airspace at will. Is that a national security issue? And the answer is, is of course, yes, because all you have to do is look at any particular week at a headline from whether it's CNN or Fox News or anyone in between, and if there's a Russian reconnaissance aircraft like a Russian bear that's found off the coast of, of Alaska, what's the first thing we do? Well, we scramble two F-22 fighter jets to go intercept it, and it's splashed all over the headlines of our newspaper. And the reason is is because we don't want a foreign adversary having the ability to penetrate our controlled airspace. And yet that's what we're seeing. But because what we are dealing with don't have necessarily a Russian star on the tail or a North Korean tail number, it's crickets. In fact, you have people that don't want to have the conversation at all and are being told, don't report this, even though we now live in a world where 
you know, you go to an airport or you go to a metro station and you hear the words, you know, see something, say something. And yet, for some reason, with only this topic, people are being told to squelch that information. And mm-hmm. that's that's why I chose to left leave the Department of Defense and had this conversation with the American people. So, and I, I have seen some of your interviews where you talk about that we need to determine these uh, space vessels' capabilities, their intention, and determine the national security implications. How do we do that, Luis? Well, we do exactly the way you're doing it right now. Look, you're, let's, let's, let's be realistic. You're, you're taking a risk yourself by even having this conversation as, as journalists and journalistic integrity. Obviously, these are, are things that, that, that have for a very long time uh, been, been a hot topic, radioactive, so to speak, for most journalists. If you wanted to be taken seriously and, and keep your career intact, you know, a couple topics you don't you don't address, and UFOs is one of them. Well, that's beginning to change, and it's beginning to change because of, of the courageousness of people we have now in office and Congress, uh, because some of our executive leadership in the executive branch, and frankly, because of people like you in the media that are willing to have an honest discussion about what ultimately is a, a scientific um, a scientific challenge for us. It, it's once you take the the, the, I hate to say the woo out of this topic, uh, you're left with, with the hard problem set that this is really just a mathematics and a physics problem. And, you know, the other thing here, and, and you mentioned it, you know, is this little green men or is this China or Russia, et cetera. So in dealing with the national security issue on this end, how do we make sure we only involve the right international partners? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, there's two sides to that story. Some people say, well, we should engage our traditional friends, our five-eye partners like Canada and Australia uh, and, and uh, the UK, where others say, well, we need to broaden the aperture, maybe go to, to NATO. And then, of course, some say, well, no, we need to go to the United Nations, actually, and make this a, truly an international effort. And then you have some people that actually will argue that we should talk to folks like China and Russia because this is a topic that affects them, too. And we know that they're equally interested in this topic as we are. And so maybe this is an opportunity for us to to bridge some of our differences and work collectively on a problem that affects us all. You know, it was, it was Ronald Reagan who famously said in the 1980s when he was president that if, if it turns out that uh, the world realizes overnight that we're not alone in the universe, um, a lot of our petty differences could be put aside. Now, I don't know how realistic that is, but, but you know, it's certainly nice to, to at least think about that. So um, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I do think that it's an international, it's a global issue. And I also think that once you look at any particular map or globe and you remove the artificial borders and lines that we draw, you realize that really we're, we're kind of all connected, right? If, if you look at, mm-hmm. let's say, the North and, uh, and, and South American hemisphere and you take away all the lines – we, we we all live on on the same little rock, and we're all connected together. We're all Americans, whether you're South American, North American, Central American. So, so probably this is a, is a topic that we we should probably look at more collectively. I personally love the idea of the United Nations. I love the idea of having a, a, a comprehensive um, effort by the United States. Think of maybe like a national laboratory where we get our best and brightest uh, in the scientific and academic community. To, to look at this problem. It's not just a national security issue. I think it's it's a it's a human issue. And I also, furthermore, I, I believe, at least certainly my opinion only, I'm not speaking for anybody else, that uh, this has an ability to to really propel our understanding of technology 
uh, exponentially on an order of magnitude. And I, I think if last time you looked at when the United States was in a situation like this was the great space race. And in a matter of a decade, 10 years, something like 6,200 industries were born. And these industries have far outlived the the utility of the space race and, and have provided life-saving technology such as, as a CAT scan and such as LED lighting and whatnot. These are things that have changed mankind for the good, for the better betterment of us. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe we're at this precipice yet once again. So if this isn't Russia or China, and it is something from, I'm just going to say, outer space, um, I know from time to time it's come up, and I, and I don't want to get into political things or dissect this too much, but, but, you know, there's been talk of kind of like a space force, and that's been identified as, you know, 12,000 different descriptions. Um, but like, if this is something from another planet, then, then what do we do? I mean, we don't have a space force to deal with it. Like you mentioned earlier, if, uh, you know, if, if this was a ship that's shooting something at us where you take immediate action, what if it comes from, um, another planet or, or space somehow or whatever? Well, Mary, I, I seem to be a little bit um, optimistic when it comes to this. You know, I, I've been a product of the national security arena now for a long time, and we tend to get paid to be paranoid. Uh, but in reality, I think um, this isn't new for mankind. We've been in situations very similar to this before. There's been these paradigm moments or these epoch moments for our species. And one only has to look at, you know, perhaps the first time we, we, we as species crawled out of the cave and, and, and you know, looked at the sun. Uh, and realized the world was much bigger. Perhaps the first time mankind uh, struck two pieces of flint together and created a spark and, and discovered how to harness fire. Uh, no different than you know when when we all stood on a on a sandy beach one day looking at the horizon, and it took one person to say, you know what, I'm going to sail over the horizon. And of course, everybody said, no, you don't want to do that. You're going to fall off the earth. There's sea monsters out there. There's giant kraken. And of course, here we are today, and and we kind of laugh and, and say to ourselves, "Wow, that's utter nonsense." When, when yet in reality, you know what? It turns out there really are sea monsters. There are great white sharks. There are giant squid of the Pacific. There are blue whales. But we now realize they're not really monsters. They're part of nature. They're part of our reality. They're part of our current paradigm. And so, for us to fear that, um, I'm not sure is necessarily the appropriate reaction. Um, I think it is in our DNA, uh, in our species, to discover and to ask ask questions. Um, and I think maybe we are at the precipice yet of a, a, another. Maybe we're standing on the shore of yet another beach, and we're looking over the horizon, and we're about to sail over the horizon. And so that would be, I guess, that would be my perspective to share. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being here today. You certainly have explained this 180-page report and what is going on, and you know, now that c Congress is involved, um, hopefully the right steps will be taken. Well, Mary, I think it is. And, and in part, thanks to you and your audience, because, uh, you know, if there wasn't an interest by your audience, you wouldn't be covering this. And if you didn't have the, the courage to cover this topic, then, you know, your audience wouldn't hear it. So really, a lot of that credit goes to, to you and your audience. And thank you very much for, for what you're doing. A lot of food for thought on on that one. Uh, again, this isn't just Luis 
opinion on this subject. This is reports. This is scientific methodology. This is um, Congress looking into this. So, so you know, there's no side to come down on whether you believe in this or not. Again, it could be something like a a spying mission. It doesn't initially have to jump to aliens or otherwise, but um, certainly something good to know that Congress is checking into, be it a national security issue, if not a concern. So so that's always good. We want to be protected no matter what anything turns out to be. And again, no taking sides on it. It's just something that needs to be addressed, and it is. So that's good. So let's change the subject now and talk about something fun. It's that time of year for Carrie's town hall campus on Academy Street to come alive for the 45th annual Lazy Days Arts and Crafts Festival. This is always a biggie, 300 artists, music, children's activities, food, drink, you name it. It runs August 28th and 29th. Folks are really jazzed more than ever because, you know, remember last year it was canceled because of COVID. So, uh, you know, more embracing it this year than now that you had to go a year without it. But something else everyone is jazzed about is a side treat. You all know the lovely pink lady Victorian that sits on Academy Street right in the heart of Lazy Days. And on Saturday, so not Saturday and Sunday, but just Saturday, August 28th, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., you will be able to stop by for a triple book signing event. Sheila Ogle, owner of the downtown gym, will be signing copies of her well-received book, The Pink House, which she wrote its story being shared through the eyes of the house's perspective. I thought that was very cool. Amanda Lamb of WREL plans to pin her signature on copies of her book, Lies That Bind, and also sharing the stage, the cute children's book, A Special Light, will be signed by its creative author, Allison Forrester. So be sure to check that out on your way to Lazy Days. For our nonprofit spotlight, we're talking about Space Foundation. This is a nonprofit advocate organization founded in 1983 offering a gateway to education, information, and collaboration for space exploration and space-inspired industries that defy the global space ecosystem. So if you want to learn more about that or get involved, the address is spacefoundation.org. Spacefoundation.org. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye. Keep listening on any major podcast platform or at our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com for serenity via a garden. And hey, P.S., you can get a free book on that one. (laughs) Or laugh with YouTube sensation, Kim and Penn Holderness. They're right out of Raleigh. They're national, so everybody should should hear from them a bit. They're so funny. Or now that Big Brother is back on the air, you might want to see what goes on behind the scenes of the show from celebrity and past contestant Christmas Abbott. So we have a show on that too. So check out some of those shows, and please be sure to subscribe and like us. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. 
today, dot, 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 spread kindness. 